0: Welcome to the first podcast hosted by the one and only Noah Williams. You'll fall in love pretty soon with it. For the first episode, I'm here to talk about social conservatism and its effect on the psyche via society as a whole, different social groups, and on the individual perspective. And to talk about it, I have my good friend here, Jared. Would you like to introduce yourself, Jared? Jared.
1: Hey, name's Jared. Glad to be here.
0: Would you like to? We can start off by a little bit of uh, uh, explaining um, how we met and why I think um, you're the best person to host this specific episode with. Okay. So, if you want to just go over like a brief,
1: like, life history. So, like how we met. Yeah. Okay. So we met um, in middle school in
2: Plant City, Florida. One of the best places to be. One of the yeehaw capitals of the world.
1: Conservatism is a pretty frequent (laughs) thing around here. Um, We didn't really get to hanging out until we found each other at church. It was, I think, an Easter Sunday.
0: Yeah, it was about eighth, ninth grade. Mm Um. I I drew an immediate attraction to him because I knew that he had an emotional capacity that in a place like Plant City, Florida, the average person uh, does not seem to possess, which is what we will get into later. Um, and that is kind of a good backstory. And we met at a church called First Baptist Church of Plant City. Mm-hmm. So as you can tell, it's a Baptist church, and if for any of y'all that know, um, they're a large organization called First Baptist and they're under the Southern Baptist leadership, um, which is a controversy that deserves its own episode. <laughs> um, we, we've we had a lot of fun together. We've had a lot of serious discussions together and we have a lot of similarities and um, some, some psychological analysis that we have of some what i've come to kind of deem suburban conservativeship, which is to differentiate between typical conservativeship that people think of more like a country or quote unquote redneck whereas uh when you when you grow up in plant city or or a place like this you realize the distinct difference between that country conservatism and the very much nuanced difference of white suburban conservatism and uh the less black and white in your face, racism, and the more subtle discriminatory beliefs that are uh, permeating a conservative society. So, first, I'd like to talk about society as a whole, and specific America, <clears throat> and how uh, America seems to define conservativeship. So, as a as an American. And obviously we both are born and raised here. What do you think the average American thinks when they think of the word conservative?
1: I think it's just commonly associated with modern day politics, I'd say, the far right. Um, Especially with the political gap nowadays, it's usually liberal versus conservative. So you think of like Southern heritage, or as you said, like the or redneck or whatever, whatever term you want to use but right, mostly say right. southern household.
0: I think southern is a better word than redneck. I think southern captures it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, I typically think of a couple things. I think of when you're talking about kind of extremes there's the obvious white pride mm-hmm. or, or kind of very vehement uh, racism but oftentimes, that's not what I first think of. Oftentimes, what I first think of is the term traditional values. So um For anybody that has heard this term, this brings up a lot of emotion, whether it's positive or negative, but it is the idea that um, values or ideals, as it's called in philosophy, you come to see that I, um, as I'm a philosophy major, and that matters a lot to me, you'll hear me use kind of those terms. So I always define them before I use them, Um, that we have these ideals, but that the best ideals, according to the social philosophy that is labeled conservatism, the best ideals are the ones passed down through time because those ideals are the tried and true method. This is this is kind of what outlines the traditional conservative framework on how to live. It's that you, you get these values through your ancestors, and that if they've been passed down through tradition, that ultimately these must be the best values, because <clears throat> they have come to define your way of life, and you are come to assume that your way of life is the best way of life. That's where you get the sayings like America's the best, or hey, we're better than the generation previous or some of these other contextual clues that a lot of conservatives say in regards to um, why their way of life is superior. That sort of cultural superiority complex that is very common amongst people that identify themselves as having traditional values. Do you have anything to comment on that specifically?
1: Um, I think tradition has a lot to do with conservatism, uh, whether it be you know household conservatism political i think most of it's been passed down as if it's a tradition so i mean
0: i um i always uh like to clarify that when i use the word conservatism i i typically because it can mean so many different things to so many different people as all words can i tend to use it uh whenever i talk about it in its most defined sense and the philosophical the the social philosophical term, which is a set of values that is deemed right to one based on the belief that they are traditional, which is kind of what I explained a couple minutes ago. Um, And first off, I'd like to to start off with, before I critique that, as um, people may be expecting me to do, as I do not identify as a conservative for anybody that personally knows me, first I'd like to Um, break down for a couple minutes in the three different sections. So individually, socially, so like social groups, a small municipality, a group of five or six friends, something like that, and societally, how that comes to affect one's thinking. And first, I'd like to think societally. So nationwide, um, what do you think? I mean, obviously, there's a political party called the Republicans that is associated with social conservatism. What do you think nationwide that has come to mean? uh, What are their value systems, things like that? Like what value systems does conservative system hold high? What traditional values do they s- seem to have in high esteem at a national level? So I know the first one that always comes to mind for me is states' rights. That's mm-hmm. the first one to me that always comes to mind that um, – this has been passed down through tradition. You hear the common argument. Our founding fathers love states' rights and to them that is a mm-hmm. that is a good argument because it shows that it came before them, which once again in terms of traditional philosophy, something that came comes before you is therefore greater. Um, you hear states' rights is a big one. Yeah. Um what is something else that you think is associated at the national level that you hear kind of these buzzwords? I
1: think states rights is definitely up there, but first Kind of value that comes to mind for me would probably be religion, okay. I mean, as you were going back to the founding fathers, I mean, one of the main points is that this nation was founded you know, one nation under God, and it's been held true okay to this day. So, I
0: mean, it's- so like, um, if I'm understanding you correctly, the common trope or the common Saying that, like we're a Judeo-Christian nation, right? Like you Mm -hmm. hear this, you hear this. um, Like the uh, the the Supreme Court has Moses holding the Ten Commandments above it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I didn't really think about that, but I think you're right. Um, I think uh, specifically the Abrahamic religions, excluding Islam. So Mm -hmm. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam are the three Abrahamic religions. Um, So excluding Islam, the other two are typically associated with Western traditional values, which I would agree with. Um, something else that I always think of that uh, is more recent um, that has come about really since the 1980s, but uh, inside of social conservative philosophy, capitalism has picked up as a buzzword very much so because a lot of conservatives have built into their personal philosophy that they have a right through tradition because their founding fathers um, were very... Progressive at their time mm-hmm. and wanting capitalism, it was a very new idea. Mm-hmm. But that um, because they are kind of the founding fathers of our nation, it is our job to hold their values as our own. And one of the values that they held highly was capitalism, and they thought it paired well with democracy, and and they thought it paired well with individual freedom. Um, so you see the value placed on individual work, right? Like the Protestant work ethic: work hard and you'll get better. Um, uh, the American dream and how it's associated with capitalism. Um, gaining capital seems a good thing, getting wealthier, getting better means all these good things will happen for you. God's rewarding you. You'll have better children, a better wife, a better marriage. Um, and I think that that plays at a national level, um, in terms of economic policy, really in terms of policy that favors people that are work oriented to an extreme extent. Mm -hmm. And this is why, um, you see a lot of Republican, congressmen say I'm pro-business as if that's like a die-hard good thing that everybody should understand Mm -hmm. like not a political term that needs to be defined or talked about but hey I'm pro-business as if this is like um, the greatest thing that can possibly be yeah and I think that goes back to the fact that we have businessmen and the rugged individualism of I picked up you know pick myself up by my bootstrap Um, and it's this idea that, um, the founding fathers worked hard to found a nation against tyranny, which means we all need to take up their mantle and work hard and we'll get rich and we'll be prosperous. And then we'll be the richest nation in the world, which is upholding this traditional value of working hard so that you can take care of yourself and take care of your wife who, in terms of a lot of traditional, um, mindsets for whatever reason, can't take care of themselves. Um, and I'll take care of their kids and you pay for all the expenses and you can't tell them no um, to anything they ask because you have to have the money to support your kids and some of this weird um, weird kind of economic policy that has come since the 80s under Reagan to kind of be grafted into the overall conservative framework, I thought at a national level is something that um, we're still seeing considering when you hear the word capitalism, it is generally associated with the Republican party.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Do you think of any other buzzwords? I know I know, there's gotta be several, like what about the executive side? So like presidential candidates. So like obviously Trump was the last Republican president. Um, I think people saying I'm pro-legal immigration, that's mm-hmm. typically associated with Republicans. I'm um, in conservative values to conserve the values that you have. So mul- which therefore is directly opposed to multiculturalism, which mm-hmm. is holding other values as equal to your own traditional values is my values are superior. So therefore I do not want a, a, a quote unquote stream of immigration,
1: which can challenge my own values. Mm-hmm. Now I think, um, another word that would come to mind whenever I'm here, you know, conservative, would be america not as in like a definition of america like conservative as an american as a whole but um with regards to like politics or um any type of policies it's usually america this america first which okay. is kind of like one of their trademarks if you will like with what you're saying immigration pro Uh, Legal immigration, and I mean that's another two-sided argument when it comes to immigration because then you go into sanctuaries and things like that, which have been a real dispute here recently. Right.
0: Expect yeah, especially in the national political scene. I'd agree with that Mm -hmm. um, for sure. And um, I think that once again, um, that connects back to. The idea that um, legal immigrants are somehow superior, not just because they're legal, right? Which is goes yeah. back to the fact that you know you can vote and you have rights and you pay taxes and things like that, mm-hmm. which are sometimes used as arguments. But oftentimes the argument is used that because they are legal, that means they have passed the citizenship test, which means they mm-hmm. know the conservative traditional values that Americans are to have. And this is why a lot of conservatives see legal immigration as something that's bearable or something that's a great thing, because it means we have other people reinforcing our own values rather than challenging them. Um, And I always find this ironic, because there's a vast difference between the percentage of immigrants that have been able to pass the citizenship test, and the ability of American citizens to pass that same test. Mm-hmm. And there's been statistical studies and kind of political science arenas. It's a kind of popular trope that a lot of liberal professors make, which I think is accurate. And it's the fact that the failure rate is actually higher among citizens taking the citizenship test that were naturalized and born here um, that should know these things from their seventh grade civics class or from right. their AP U.S. history in high school, something like that, than it is amongst immigrants, which I find sort of interesting.
1: Yeah. I think that have to do with lack of obligation within our own educational systems because when you look at your average student in America, they don't or American born student I should say, you don't really think that they need to know this information to be an active citizen, whereas you're looking at someone who's wanting to seek immigration and seek citizenship within our country, they have to meet those requirements.
0: So it's almost like that pressure to perform, that pressure to understand those values, those pressure that in our education system, um, we almost don't have that pressure because it's the privilege that we get from being born here.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly.
0: And I want to be careful when I say the word privilege because that's associated with certain things and I want to make sure we have well-defined terms and things like that. But I think before you even go into the modern debate of white privilege versus non-white privilege, mm-hmm. I think the, the the key distinction really is privilege of a naturalized citizen versus privilege of an immigrant citizen because of main, two main, main distinctions. One, the immigrant citizen had to earn their citizenship, and therefore a lot of them associate pride with that, whereas when you associate pride with America, America first, I'm an American citizen, I'm proud with that, but you were born here, you've done nothing to achieve that. to Mm -hmm. me, the pride doesn't make sense because you were literally born with it. You're being proud of something that somebody before you have done that you have not achieved. To me, that's like being proud that you're six foot five. It's something that you were genetically predisposed to, or in in this case, not genetically, but predetermined to have Mm -hmm. solely because you were born there, which I always find the American pride in people that were born here odd because it was literally given to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I find that privilege... um, extremely rampant i guess you could say amongst people also because as arnold schwarzenegger famously pointed out in the 90s immigrants can never become president Mm -hmm. so even immigrants that get citizenship are never full citizens in the way that naturalized citizens are so there's always this slight inequality between natural citizens that we consider good or born here or you're here on the alt-right purebred or pure blooded citizens and some of these some of these tropes, some of these terms, and people that we still somewhat see as foreign or not like us. Yeah. Um, I also think that we can sometimes pair that with words like racism or sexism or some other things that we are quick to throw out or quick to use and we don't really understand kind of the broader philosophical implications of those, um, which is part of the reason I wanted to start a podcast to to explain kind of to a general audience what those are and what people mean when they say them and how those terms have come to be defined and used and what a philosophy student in the 21st century thinks, um, especially one that you'll come to find out um, has suffered from a, a, a child onset OCD um, and how that's impacted the way I view society, um, through through kind of this conservative lens and and, um, I find the pairing of, OCD and self deprivation, which is a common behavior trait of people that suffer from childhood onset OCD as well as people that have PTSD, um, that come back from the military and as well as people that suffer from childhood trauma. All three of those groups. Tend to have self-deprivating behavior in terms of psychological aspects mm-hmm. and those groups are also often associated with self-repression which often comes from traditional conservative values you see you see the whole like suburban trope in movies the coming of age movies where the rich parents just want their kid to be a doctor or a lawyer or a this or that and mm-hmm. they lead their kid away from goodness instead of to goodness because they've confused conservative traditional legal sets of rules as goodness, rather than goodness itself, rather than having rules to guide you towards good behavior. they mistakenly thought the rules were the good behavior.
1: Okay. And do you, do you think that those types of issues stem directly from traditionalism from, I think it
0: stems from a traditional psychological aspect, of the way humans view religion. Okay. So I think it's a religious thing, but I don't think it's religion on by itself, because you have religions that are more progressive and more traditional. I think it's a traditional framework of mind that has been around for all of humanity, but people attach themselves to religion as as Karl Marx said, religion is the opioid of the masses as a drug, because I feel like the most hyper religious people are hyper extreme traditional religious people are very self-repressed, very hateful, very spiteful people of themselves. And therefore they wanna have a legal set of rules or boundaries to force on other people that they themselves hold to because they do not know how to trust themselves, love themselves, open themselves mm-hmm. up, things like this. And this is why I personally believe you see so many religious figures have so many, um, what what was called in the 1970s, sexual deviant behavior. And that's no longer the term used. Um, But I do think that there's an aspect of it that because these people grew up in quote unquote traditional households where you hear things like, you better never be gay or you better never have sex and things like that, that they come to view anything that's non-traditional as all equally bad, equally gross, things like that. Mm -hmm. So they have struggles when they come up, for example, sexual development. And this is why I think a lot of people in traditional conservative areas end up having all these child abuse cases or cases where they had cheated on their wives or some of these other things um, because they didn't necessarily have a framework of mind in which they knew how to view progression, growth, um, moral ambiguity, nuance, grey areas, judgment, decision making, things like this.
1: Okay. Do you think with the regards to like the um, Lack of knowing how to deal with, I guess you could say. There's the sexual development or um, almost as if you know, lack of belonging when it comes to...
0: That's a good way to put it.
1: Uh, these ideas that are coming up as these younger generations are developing. Do you think that that stems from the household
2: itself or um, like traditional values as a whole? I, I mean, think that's a good question.
0: I think that it stems as the primary exposure in the household as a young curious kid. But the pressure for the father and the mother to have those values is given to them by society. Because when you live in a place like Plant City or, you know, you can think of any, quote, Podunkville, right, mm-hmm. um, uh, Birmingham, Alabama, you know, mm-hmm. in the 1960s. Um, it, there's this social pressure that has given them, hey, I'm traditional, you better be traditional. America first. Mm-hmm. You know, my kid's not gay, your kid's not gay, type of thing. Um, and and there's, there's these very restrictive uh, devices put on. And um, I believe it leads to ill-fated behavior in the end. Um, as we all know, humans value freedom. So when you restrict freedom, you're set to eventually, over time, devalue humans. Mm-hmm. Um, this is why you lead to Uh, excuses for their hateful behavior like racism like sexism Mm -hmm. child labor things like that because that energy needs to be taken out somewhere um and i think that the the kids that let their natural childhood curiosity die out to these conservative values because they're so tired of their dad saying stop asking me why you know don't Mm -hmm. challenge me don't challenge my authority just do what I say. Eventually, some kids let their natural child of curiosity or nature or the world die out. And these are the ones that become the next generation of conservative people. And then there's another group of people that say, Hey, no, I have my I love myself, I have my own values, not necessarily that I have my own values that my parents passed on to me, but that I've questioned, I've challenged, and I have an own independent view on these things. And they don't let the conservative values trap them in. And I think this is traditionally speaking, what forms the next generation of liberals. Mm -hmm. I think that childhood development scheme is largely where you get philosophical divides in society because you have the kids that challenged, not just necessarily their parents, but society as a whole, social groups, and their parents as an individual. And then you have people that have come to let their natural childhood curiosity die and just accept the world around them as, as the wisdom. And this is where you get the difference between progressives and traditionals or Mm -hmm. uh, what's come to be defined now, liberals and conservatives. Liberal meaning free, conservative meaning traditional.
1: Mm. I think that has a lot to do with the age gap
2: between said uh, teenagers or younger adults, adolescents, and their... Parents' generation, whether that be the generation itself, like you're saying, um, how the development of the new generation of liberals stems from that. There's a um, saying that's kind of thrown around in a cons- the conservative households. You're, um, if you're not a liberal in your teen years and your younger twenties. You don't have a heart, but if you're not a conservative in your mid-30s to 40s, you don't have a brain. And I think that goes to show a lot about the different um, perspectives, orientations, whether it be based on work or socioeconomic uh, issues in the nation or world as a whole. Because, I mean, you look at... The parents, they're more, generally speaking, work orientated, right? Or task oriented. It's been
0: built into their brain because they've been working so long. They have careers, mm-hmm. things like this. Whereas, obviously, as kids, you've
2: never worked before. You know, things you're learning. Mm-hmm. So, um, they kind of lose sight of the fact that they're still growing and right.
0: Becoming a baby. It's like the parent loses what it's like to be a child, mm-hmm. but the child doesn't lose what it's like to be a parent. They've never experienced it. Exactly. And this is the reason philosophically speaking, um, when it comes to child abuse cases and the law regarding those, why I think parents should held be held highly responsible versus kids, even when they cause violence amongst themselves in domestic issues cases, is because I think that there's an important distinction between a parent forgetting what it's like to be a child versus Mm -hmm. a child not knowing what it's like to be a parent because one never had the opportunity, right? If I die at 16 in a child abuse scandal, I didn't know what it was like to be a quote-unquote good parent because Mm -hmm. I've never been a parent, you know, if I'm not a parent at 16. Whereas a parent, you have to repress your own childhood to forget what it's like to be a child because Mm -hmm. you've experienced that. You don't become 18 without living to be 17, 16, 15, 14, Mm -hmm. 9, 7, 8. Um, And I think that... um, this natural childhood curiosity, and for all my philosophy listeners out there, obviously people know this as Rousseau's idea, that natural childhood curiosity is what leads to the next generation of great thinkers. I personally think that that is true to some extent, but that it's arrogant to think that it's next, just next generation's great thinkers, because I think a lot of people have their childhood curiosity. It just changes as he gets older, mm-hmm. and this is why people pick up hobbies like music, um, YouTube, or podcast creating, or… Um, what they seem to love in their partner. It's something that they didn't have as their own in a child, and they think they would make a good spouse, and they think they'd make a good friend, things like this. I think Mm -hmm. there's an innate child in all of us, um, obviously, but not that you grow up to repress that child, but that through maturity, liberals are ones that learn that maturity teaches you how to put boundaries to love that freedom, whereas conservatives put boundaries on that freedom. That's the important distinction that I think is there.
2: Yeah. That ties right back into the whole traditionalism. Whereas, you know, you go back one generation or or two, back to, you know, the baby boomers. Um, When I say two generations, I mean significant periods of time. Millennials, then
1: baby boomers. The uh, whole difference between the parents and their children back then, I mean, you'd have the children going to work at 14, 15, learning how to support a household or take care of a home. And they kind of generally left their childhood in the past at that point and never really grew up with that. They only grew up with the work orientated lifestyle. And I think that's why they hold it so high nowadays um when trying to you know raise their children
0: yeah um uh, we're about to um stop and go on to part two um so if you're still interested just just there's the next one by the time you're listening should be uploaded um so just click on that